Are you testing me or do you know? And welcome to episode three. I'm your host, Kev. If you've enjoyed the podcast up until now, please leave a rating below. If you have any questions or suggestions, please leave them in the comments section. Speaking of questions, I have a Q&A episode coming up soon. So if you do have any questions, uh, again, leave them below in the comments section or you can get me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is thekevatron9000. I also have a deep dive coming up into the MCU movies with my mate, Joel. Uh, which I'm actually really looking forward to recording. Uh, so without further ado, this is my mate, Brendan. Brendan, thank you very much for uh, for joining me with episode three. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. How are you doing, man? How's, um, how's things on your end? Things are really good. I feel bad saying things are really good right now, but things are actually really good right now. Yeah, I've I've sort of um, I've gotten into the habit of saying business as usual. Mm. To be honest, uh, probably much like you, um, the, the the current situation sort of hasn't um, hasn't affected me as, um, as some poor people out there. But yeah. um, uh, I, I'm assuming you're just um, working from home at the moment. Yeah, working from home most days. I do have some flexibility to pop into the office on Thursdays and Fridays if I like. But again, I feel very lucky that we haven't been pressured to do that uh, at the moment. So yeah, working from home has been an adjustment, but so far so good. Okay. Is, is there anything you like really, really miss being, uh, being able to do? Uh, I've developed a taste for some nicer food these days. Um, as you probably all, <laughs> you probably recall, I was always, you know, quite an eater. Um, <laughs> I guess it is. It is nice to pop out and, and have some um, have some nice food out on town. And I I kind of just miss just having a beer, like not in my own home. Uh, again, th these are champagne problems. Uh, excuse the pun, <laughs> but yeah, there's things I miss. Uh, just some of the simpler things, to be honest. I, I've never led too much of an extravagant life, I guess, um, relatively speaking, anyway. But yeah, just the small things like having a beer in a in a pub is uh, something I miss quite a bit. I think getting out from just just the four walls and not having to not having to clean up and you know a, a little bit of change change of scenery and stuff mm. like that as well mm. um, sort of does wonders for your um, for your mental health. But um, Brendan, who who are you today? Who's who's Brendan? Who am I today? Oh, that, that's a corker, man. Um, yeah, well, you've known me for quite a while. Today, you know what? Actually, I was thinking about this earlier today. Funnily enough. And most recently, I feel like I'm finally becoming an adult. Would you believe it or not? Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what um was there any one defining moment that you um that suddenly made you realize that you're an adult or becoming an adult? Or oh, I guess you could say it maybe was a defining in not an individual like it wasn't like an epiphany. I didn't wake up one day and go, "Hey, I'm an adult." Uh, it was more a fact that I've started to really enjoy having a career and having a job and in a position where I don't feel absolutely petrified every single day, uh, that'll probably do it. Did, uh, did the, the fact that you uh, very secretly tied the knot have anything to do with that as well? <laughs> I think it might actually. I think it kind of did um, whether, I, whether I meant it to or not. So yes, I had a little sneaky uh, elopement may have something to do with me feeling a bit more adult. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Are you um, are you planning on um, having a um, 
uh, not necessarily a ceremony, but a, a get together once. Um, well, if if these restrictions ever sort of settle down. Yeah, we, we, were, we were thinking maybe we could do something like that, but uh, time will have to tell. We've just really held off on planning anything more than a trip to the recycling bin at this stage because, <laughs> as you know, there's some limitations on gatherings and uh, you know, being yep. in New South Wales, it's only a matter of time before us idiots in Sydney do something stupid and we're not allowed to go out anymore. So we're just holding <laughs> off on that for now. <laughs> Fair enough. As you've already alluded to, man, I've, I've known you for, for quite a while. Um, how do I know you? How do you know me? Uh, what's our What's our history? Well, you gave me a roof over my head at one stage, which I think kind of really kick-started the relationship. <laughs> I'm just trying to think when that was. So if, if memory serves me correctly, and, and this... This became a, a, a quite a theme throughout um, throughout our relationship, I suppose you could call it. Mm. But um, the the girl I was seeing at the time, um, we split up. Mm. Um, I was living I was living with her in North Rocks, North Para, I Para. think. Oh, North North Para, that's right. <laughs> um, she moved out. I needed a housemate quickly, mm. and I and I advertised on Sylvia, New South Wales. <laughs> There's a uh, there's a website I haven't heard for a while. Yes, I think that sounds about right. Which which is odd because you didn't drive a Sylvia at the time. No, I didn't. No, you didn't. Which I odd. don't think I drove anything at the time. I think you maybe I, had a I work car. I, I think I had a work car and maybe a project car. Mm, it might have uh, been a, one of it Might have been a crappy old Corolla or one of the many crappy <laughs> old Corolla. You know. Oof. Shots fired. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so you ended up moving in. Can you remember how long we um, we lived together for? Oh, jeez, I want to say maybe maybe two two a year at least a year maybe two years. Yeah. Are you testing I, me I, or I do think you it, know? <laughs> I don't know. I I because I'm pretty sure we moved at some stage together, didn't we? Uh, didn't we move to another house or we were we were we always in North Parapara and then North I Para. ended up moving out and I, I moved in I with know. my with my partner at the time to Marylands. Uh, oh that's right yeah. with um with her brother as yes, well. Yes, that's right. The, the big party that's house in, right. in M Town. M Town represent two one six zero. I was actually reminiscing a little bit as well. I'm pretty sure I was partially or more than partially responsible for getting you two together as well. Yes, I believe that would be correct. I do remember that definitely. That is that is a fact, to be honest. So thank you. Uh, although we are... Well, maybe although, not thank you Although now, we are together now, we, we remain good mates and um, it was good times had by all. So... Oh, well, ho ho hopefully, um, hopefully she listens to this and has a, has a good giggle out of it as well. <laughs> yeah. So getting back to the car thing, the, the car thing was quite prolific in our relationship. Um, <laughs> and much like, uh, much like Fast and the Furious, I suppose it was, um, that they, they were more than definitely more than, more than vehicles, but, um, yeah. Can you remember what you were driving at the time? I think I was driving a S15 200 SX to be technically correct. Sylvia, for those JDM heads that, you know, want to be JDM people. But yes, <laughs> it was a 2002 S15 200SX in pearl white. In pearl white, that's mm. right. And then at, at some stage you had um, amazing white wheels that you put on it from... I can't remember where you got them from, but they just, they, they were amazing. Yeah, I got those from another mutual friend of ours. I was on a loan. They were Keiichi Tsuchiya wheels. They were super cool. Oh, K-Office wheels. K-Office, right. yeah. They were badass. And... And uh, they, they almost looked like they were made for the vehicle. Oh, the, the fitment was perfect. I mean, they're obviously 
there's about a million wheels for an S chassis out there that you can get your hands on, um, <laughs> as opposed to my current setup, which we'll get to shortly, I'm sure. But yeah, they did fit really well. But do you remember what I replaced them with when I had to hand them back? Um, I want to say AVS. Well, actually, no, that's a trick question because I didn't, I never figured out what they were. Um, we bought them from Automoto because <laughs> if you recall, Automoto would get a container of wheels about every... Oh, that's right. Yeah, about once a month. And we'd go down there like the scavengers we are, uh, pushing aside the, the, the bronze T37s that we couldn't afford and, <laughs> and looking at the, the $500 sets, which is what I ended up settling on. And they looked amazing. And again, they fit really well, but um, no idea what they were. They look like Ferrari F40 wheels. Yeah, um, right. Do, do you know if Automoto is still a thing these days? Wouldn't have a clue. They were over in Rydalmere, I think. Um, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they're still around. They probably started doing some other bits and pieces that aren't bringing wheels in although you know who knows because automotive was also attached to a a magazine Ooh. and uh and and a whole dvd series like an australian dvd series we i mean look let, let's be honest and I, I i don't know if i'm um i don't know if i'm making too much of a big deal out of it but we 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 essentially saw the 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 jdm car movement in australia like we were mm. I'm not going to say we were we were the pioneers of it, but we were definitely one of the first waves before it became what it is today. Well, it's, yeah, I guess you could you could say that. And I, to your credit, Kevin, I um, I got a lot of my knowledge from you, and you just seem to know the ins and outs of that kind of scene really well to the point where you knew exactly where to buy this car or this part or who to speak to about this and who to speak to about that. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I think I'm going to blame you actually for the large <laughs> holes in my pocket during those times and the fact that I sometimes struggled to pay rent. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I remember. Um, uh, was it uh, our mutual friend John mm -hmm. as well with his um, Johnny the Boy? Uh, yeah, RX7, and then he tried to put a one. Oh no, he did put a one J in it. That's right. Um, he's he's still quite into that scene as well, from what I. Uh, I hear, I understand he's driving a 370Z now. Yeah, nice. Mm, okay. Mm. Well, I mean, that's that's a that's the adult JDM racer boy type car, isn't it? Yeah, I've been tempted by the 370 as well. So, yeah. It, it is a beautiful looking car. Mm, mm. Uh, white S15. Yeah. Um, I take it you didn't write it off? No, I ended up, sell uh, ended up selling that after many years of ownership, happy ownership. It, you, I mean, you said before that the scene was starting to emerge around the whole JDM thing. Uh, that mm -hmm. car opened up a lot of friendships for me, yourself included. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, a relationship came from that, uh, which is always a good thing. And, mm -hmm. yeah, just this, I, I still have some of my best mates um, based off that whole scene and that car in particular, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah. The... Um it was um, like I was saying before. It it, it wasn't just um, it wasn't just vehicles. Like I remember spending um, spending very cold nights with um, very very close mates in the garage doing all sorts of um, like <laughs> backyard whatever to yeah, yeah. to the to the cars we had at the time. And it was it I don't, I don't know. Like to be honest, I, I don't know if it's my age now or what. But I I would never even consider doing like my own clutch change or you know anything like that these days. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's funny you mentioned that. Okay, first off, before we get to that, I want to just shout out to the North Parramatta Garage crew 
And <laughs> a garage that was just wide enough to fit an S13 Sylvia. I don't know how many engineered versions we did in that garage, but it, right. was, it was just one was too many, if you ask me. But <laughs> the cold nights in that garage, which I swear was 10 degrees colder than anywhere else in Sydney. Yep. But the amount of work that went on and the amount of cars that came out of that that four meter by six meter garage was incredible. Well, uh, that's right. Because at, at some stage we did your, we, we put your, we took your old clutch out. Yep. We we put a used one in <laughs> and then we put the, I was took poor. the used one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we did a an A86 front end swap in it. Yes, you you how you did sacrilege according to most people. You swapped out the JDM end for a front end for a, for an ADM one, which was That's weird right. at the time, yep. but I get it now. Um, we did a CA CA naturally aspirated to SR naturally aspirated swap in there. That's right, we did. And I think there was some uh, MR2 shenanigans as well from memory. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a little bit after my time, but I'm pretty sure oh, uh, there was a, a 3S swap to a later Beams 3S swap or that's, something that's like that. That's the one. There was, there was some Beams goodness happening in that garage. And you're right, that probably was after your time. I forgot that I continued living there after you'd moved out. That's right. After I'd moved out, that's right. Huh. That's it. Because um, my, my, I think at that stage, my myself and my ex got back together, mm-hmm. and we'll st- and then we lived back in the place with you, mm-hmm. and then I ended up, we ended up breaking up again, mm-hmm. and I ended up moving out, and, and yeah, I, so and I felt like the child uh, in the relationship, so I just stuck around. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stay in my room. <laughs> um, do you remember that time when I brought home two stray kittens? Weren't we driving down the street? Well, up our street to go somewhere and we saw some kittens and we being ran after them being, yeah being the 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 non-heartless individuals we are we had to rescue them <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up keeping one yes that kit that kitten believe it or not is still alive and it now lives down in melbourne with my brother ah we I, i'm pretty sure we kept both kittens yeah one of them was a gray one that ended up with your ex's brother i think and then ran away and sure mine can and then your your ginger one who jumped off the third story, third story balcony. balcony three times mm. and and survived yeah and not then, a problem and then earned the name cami short for kamikaze <laughs> so yes cami is still kicking down in down in victoria and he's a little worse for wear he gets into fights he's a, a bit of a rat bag to be honest but he's still <laughs> with times. us <laughs> excellent when we weren't um when we weren't wrenching on cars in the um in in the in the basement garage. I mean, we were we were literally sitting at Macca's. Yeah, or some sort of food establishment. Um, Harry's. Yeah, yeah. There was Harry's out Harry's, at Orange Grove. Harry's at Orange Grove. Yep. Harry's at Woolloomooloo or wherever it is. Yeah, whatever it was. We could, yep. As long as we weren't at home at night, and we were doing car stuff. I was happy, and I'm sure you were the same. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, Monday to Friday was um, was just the waiting period for the weekend it, it, where we could it either really work was. on cars yep. or. Yep. Be with friends around cars or yep. go watch movies with cars in them. Or... Yep. Yeah, I remember like I specifically I would finish up work on like a Friday afternoon. I'd go home, I'd get changed, I'd fill up the car. And then there's there nights we would just drive until the wee hours of the morning or until we ran right. out of fuel and just and then came home. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, at, a, at, at any given point, I, I actually think your, your S15... Uh, apart from the um, apart from the clutch going, mm. your S fifteen was the least projecty project car that you ever had, or that that we ever had as a group. 
Yeah, it was. Well, it didn't, I mean, it was a modern modern sports car. I mean, the S fifteen even these days it still holds its own as a as a decent mm. performance car just out of the box. I think the most we ever did was a set of KYB lowered suspension, like shocks and springs, with adjustable mm. damper rates, and then a white line sway bar kit, which we also installed in the middle of the night for some. I don't know why we kept doing this stuff in the middle of the night. We couldn't <laughs> wait until a warm weekend. No, we had to do it at. In, in the garage in three degree weather for some reason. But yeah, that didn't really, nothing really needed to be done to that. Um, it no, was, it was I, I think also the enthusiasm, like it's, I think it's all well and good to say that we waited for the weekend, but let's be honest, like if, if, if a part got delivered, yeah, true. although in, although in those days parts didn't get delivered, we would still have to drive like halfway across Sydney to go buy them. That's right. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you couldn't, you wouldn't order things online. I mean, yeah, e-commerce was emerging. Um, but mm, it wasn't right. a trusted kind of way to order things like it is these days. Like now you throw your credit card around like, like there's there's no tomorrow. But yeah, back in the day, I don't think companies like Whiteline probably even had an e-commerce, um, you know, part to their website. That's it. Yeah. I, I, I get the funny feeling you'd still have to go into places, either look online at a PDF catalog or go into <laughs> somewhere like um, Super yeah. Cheap Auto and go look through a physical catalog. Or, or, or pick up and... the phone and speak to somebody, which, you know, what's going on there? <laughs> I know it's 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 unheard of these days for sure. Um, and then it, like we'd be so enthusiastic about it, we'd literally get home, mm. um, jack up the car, and and start wrenching. Yeah, that, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that that does ring a bell. That seems like something we would do because we're you know enthusiastic and and full <laughs> of life. Not like today when we're all just downtrodden and, and <laughs> giving, giving my Amazon stuff tomorrow, or you know, or it's not good enough. How do you feel about the the whole JDM car scene? I mean, do do you still follow it at all, or are you very very disconnected from it all? Or, well, like I said, I I will always have a special part in my heart for the JDM scene because it's it's introduced me to probably eighty percent of my friendship group, even to to these days. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I never really felt like I was too heavily involved because I wasn't. Um, Although we did Asian. do a lot of you, a... you can say it. You weren't Asian. <laughs> That's not what I was thinking, but sure, you said it, not me. <laughs> um, it was more like I wasn't really... Um, I felt there was little subgroups which I never really quite fit in with. Um, and, you know, I was happy with that. And I was happy with what, you know, our little corner with a couple of mates. But, yep. um, yeah, I, I was happy for that to sort of dissipate into whatever it is these days. And, you know, um, I'm I'm not even driving a JDM car anymore. I'm still into cars, probably even more so in a kind of a different way. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I I I wouldn't be upset if I never owned a JDM car ever again. Uh, so. <laughs> it, it's really funny because it was um, that scene for us was more than ten years ago now. Was it? Um, yeah, I, I want to say it was about 20, 20, 2007? Yeah, it sounds about right. 2007, 2000. Yeah, wow. 2000, maybe 2007, 2008, 2009, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we we lived from, well, I don't know about you, but I lived almost from paycheck to paycheck. And I remember saving and saving and like, you know, eating, literally eating two minute noodles to save up for a specific part. <laughs> yeah, the, um, um, the big pot of ramen, hot shin ramen noodles, oh, which would just right. burn your... On the way in and on the way out. Oh man! And a, and a, and a, a couple of bottles of Picari sweat. That was that was a Friday night or Saturday night in North Para, wasn't it? And and probably <laughs> something like Initial D or something like that on the TV. Initial D or uh, or SingStar. Oh no, I probably just added it. Said some SingStar 
uh, closet fans, but there was even Singstar involved <laughs> at some stage. Oh God, Singstar! I've got some. I'm I'm so glad that we never grew up with. Um, and oh, I I I spin myself out every time I say this, but we grew up. Um, like our drinking and our SingStar times. We we grew up pre-smartphone. Oh yeah. Oh, could you imagine the the evidence that people would have on us? Yeah. <laughs> so there's no there's no YouTube videos, there's no TikToks, there's no nothing. We uh, we we quite happily did it without it all. But the, I yeah. I still do have a have some photos of our um our our uh, furnitureless uh, lounge room. <laughs> Didn't we get that couch from like the curb or something? Shh. I, I don't even want to think about where we got it from, but yes, you are probably correct. Oh my word! Yeah, no, it's good to good to know that the cringe was not uh, recorded for later <laughs> consumption. Oh dear! So you sold the S fifteen. Mm -hmm. um, what did you move on to? What did I move on to? Uh, what did I get next? Um, or did or did you end up going overseas or something like that? I don't know. That was much later. I sold the S15 in like 2008 or nine or something like that. Um, honestly, I could never afford that car. I don't know why I bought it in the first place. But again, I don't regret it. <laughs> but uh, I think I got a, I think I moved to I got a new job and I got a company car, which is just a, a bog standard Camry. Which, in all honesty, I loved to bits because I didn't have to pay for it, didn't have to pay for fuel, and it just got everyone <laughs> around in in reasonable comfort. Um, so that was the kind of thing. I didn't really get back into cars. Oh, what was the next thing I bought? I bought a big, uh, like a, I think it was a Y31 Cedric or 300C. Um, Holy crap. Yeah, off, um, off, off Mark from, the, um, from one of the forums there. And wasn't that, wasn't that car passed around as well? Didn't, yes. Was that the one that Russell ended up That's with? That's the one that Russell ended up with. That oh my God. sprayed it black and put some brake boilers on it. So yes, that originally was in my hands. Because um, I needed a car at some stage, and that popped up. I'm like, I'm buying that. That's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> it had half a million kilometers on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a very short moment of gangster car ownership. Um, I don't, Did I just... it happen to have like a maroon velour interior? No, it had it had the velour, full velour. Even the roof lining was velour, but it was like a, a like a dark blue. It was like it was yeah, like your right. like your dad's couch, you know, that he just refuses to throw out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, or his suit, or both. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the three hundred C, and then nothing really until um, my uh, partner at the time, and we decided to buy a Renault Sport Clio, which has led me down a dark path of Euro hot hatches. So um, currently, I am after yeah, like I said, after I moved, I moved overseas. Um, uh, she sold that while I was overseas. We separated during that time as well. Uh, and um, now I'm back in another Renault Sport Clio, which I couldn't be happier with, to be honest. Yeah, right. Now, this um, the, the original Renault, Renault Clio, was it... Obviously, it wasn't an entry-level Renault Clio. The one I first owned? The, yeah, the one you first no, owned. That, so that was, so that was the, a, a Clio 3, the, or the, the third edition of the Clio. So it was definitely a Renault Sport... Uh, Two liter, one hundred ninety seven horsepower, or PS, or whatever it is. Um, mm. Yeah, Brembo brakes the whole the whole kit. It's they're a fantastic car for anyone who's listening and wants to get a good, fun, cheap car. Get a Renault Clio. You won't regret it <laughs> <laughs> until it sets itself on fire. Not yet. I've had two, and they have, <laughs> none of them had, have, have spontaneously combust. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> um, so while you're in the UK, I mean. Renault Clears are, are a little bit more common over there, right? Mm -hmm. They are. They are. But 
Um, I did toy with the idea of purchasing something over there because I was there for three years, which is obviously long enough to own a car and maybe even ship it back. Um, sure. Buying your car is cheap over there, but owning your car over there is super expensive. The insurance premiums are, are astronomical. Um, you know, living in central London also, where are you going to park a car? You know, there's, there's mm. just nowhere. So that um, kind of brought that idea out. And I wasn't really there to, to play with cars during that time. In fact, I was actually really happy to have a couple of years to myself without having to throw money at a, at a car for a change. I was actually really happy to not own a car, which I never thought younger me would have said. <laughs> um, but I guess that's just me becoming an adult, right? Well, full circle. Just see that we loop back in. <laughs> <laughs> Very well done. We can, uh, we can end the podcast right here. <laughs> what were you doing in the UK? Uh, okay. So I moved over there early 2015. So I'd started a new job in, uh, sort of late 2014. Um, yep. with a, a, a tech startup company, which, um, was something very new to me and a little bit of a, a move in a different direction and thought I'd give it a crack. Um, turned out I was doing well there. I was enjoying it. Good company. Yep. And they were, happened to be expanding at the time. So they just got some funding and they were setting up some remote offices in, uh, the U S in Canada and then UK. And I basically put my hand up and said, you need someone to move to the UK and set up your office. I reckon I can do that. So, um, all good and well. I was terrified, <laughs> mind you, but sure. you know, you, sometimes you just got to put yourself out there. And it turned out to be really good. I, I spent a good three years setting everything up, and that office is now thriving with about I don't know ten, fifteen employees over there, and things are going well. And that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I got I got to say again, coming back to the adult thing, that was a big pivotal moment for me. Was you know moving out, moving overseas, um, you know just throwing caution to the wind, I guess, and seeing how this goes and really, yeah, really sort of stepping it up. So yeah, that was a big yeah. moment for me. Was it a, is it still a big point of pride knowing that um, like you, you took the risk on, on not only like a new employment and new, new career path, but you, you basically jumped country and, mm. and started a branch up over there. That's um that's, that's obviously thriving now. Yeah, that is it. It's probably is my, my biggest achievement to date. And, um, I used to have a habit of just downplaying those kind of things, but um, my my wife now, it feels weird to say that still, it's all very fresh. Um, my wife now <laughs> has been encouraging me to really, you know, promote your accolades and, and just, you know, l l promote that kind of stuff in general and just be proud of yourself. So yeah, I am super proud of that, to be honest. I Look, I, I definitely think you should as well. I've um, I've I've probably got the much mentality as, as, as you as well. And it's, um, it's, I, I find it takes a lot of effort to, um, I, I'm going to say that there's a, there's a pretty big difference between ego and, and being proud of, of, mm. of your achievements. Mm. Um, and I, I honestly don't think there's anything wrong with being proud of your achievements, especially mm. if, um, you know, especially if you, um, put a lot of hours and blood, sweat and tears and all mm. that sort of stuff into it. And, and you, it, it came out well, or it, look, even if it didn't come out well, you know, it just have the conviction to, to own your decisions and go, well, you know, you, you, you took a chance and it did work or didn't work. And, you know, I'm still proud of it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like, like I said, that's something, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And you, and you said it, it's, you know, ego and pride. Uh, for some people, it's a very separate thing. For some people, it's a fine line. And I'm starting to blur that line a bit these days, which is really good. So yeah, I'm super duper proud. Uh, I'm still with that company and seems to be getting better and better here. So yeah. Let's keep, awesome, uh, keep kicking goals, huh? No, that's very cool. Um, so were, were you on a contract in, in the UK or anything like that? Or 
Oh, not not specifically. I was I was I was there under expectations that you know we would do well, and we did yep. well, and clearly still going well. So I felt sure. like after three years, it was time for me to come home, and uh, you know. Uh, I always was going to come back to Australia. I didn't plan on leaving in the UK for the rest of my time. Um, yep. And it just seemed to line up pretty well. So, yeah, I decided it was time to come back. And we're still there and we're still still going strong. It's one of the qualities that um, if, if, um, if, if someone asked me to, um, to name a few qualities of, um, of Brendan, um, one of those would be quite patriotic. Um, how was... Um, how did the UK and London specifically, which is like ultra UK, mm. um, how did that compare to Sydney and Australia? Yeah, it's proper UK, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Here's the funny thing. Like I'd, I'd done a bit of travel before then. I'd been to Europe in 2009. I hadn't left, the, left Australia until I was sort of mid-20s. And a lot of people got a lot of travel done, you know, when they have like a gap year. And I, because I didn't go to uni or anything like that, I didn't really see the need to do that um yeah but i'd never visited the uk as a as a country um until i stepped foot in there with my whole life in two suitcases um yep. so that was a bit of a shock initially but um no look i that felt like a holiday it felt like a three-year three-year holiday to be honest it was really yep. good and obviously with a country like the uk and a city like london the culture shock isn't massive coming from another English-speaking country. Um, but the thing that kind of, I wouldn't say overwhelmed me, but the thing about London, in London specifically, was just the fact that it's such a global city and such, a, such an iconic city. And I, I tried not to take it for granted. Like I would commute from uh, southwest London to the middle of London to the office every day, and I'd go past these iconic landmarks like your uh, your London Eyes and your um, Big Ben and Tower of London and all that kind of stuff and I would just be humbled by it so yeah to be honest with you I um, I didn't feel like as that much of a culture shock uh, I definitely missed uh, a lot about Australia and I wasn't really I'm not really a beach person although that seems to be changing these days uh, I'm enjoying getting to the beach a bit more. Maybe it is being in London for three years made me really miss or um, not appreciate what I had back at home. But sure. I, I, like I said, I don't think I could have done it for more than the three years because I definitely would have got more homesick. Uh, you know, I've got yeah. family and friends here. Uh, but one thing that somebody told me, um, it was actually an old colleague of mine said, because she'd done it years before me, she'd moved to the UK for a couple of years and done the same thing. She said, if you ever get homesick, and this is gonna sound a little bit brutal, um, you're going to come home and expect that all your friends are going to be like, oh, you're back, blah, blah, blah. But in all honesty, no one's, not that they're not going to care. Nothing's going to be different, really. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it sounds super brutal, but just like no one's really going to care. Um, they're all living their own <laughs> lives. They've probably all got kids now and they've got other stuff to do. And, you know, if you want to stay longer, stay longer. If you want to come home, you know, don't expect fanfare. And that was actually really helpful when I first moved over there. <laughs> and then you and then you came back home and did you honestly find that no one pretty much everyone had been continuing at their own pace and at their own stage of life and uh, <laughs> and yeah because i was mentally prepared for that i managed to slip back in pretty easily and and uh i wouldn't 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 leave again yeah not that i well, have a choice um right now <laughs> <laughs> if it um if, if it makes you feel any better and I, I don't know if this is just a part of growing or, or just the fact that um that that you and I seem to be built very very similarly, uh, which which we will get into. But um, 
there was there was definitely points uh, in my early adulthood, I want to say, um, even when we were living together, where like something something bad would happen, like there'd be a bad breakup or bad falling out or something, and I, I would literally just like pack up and move out into the country or something like that. I mm. mean, I, pro, pro, it definitely wasn't as as dramatic as you know moving to another country or something like that. But I sort of, I guess, um, I guess. On, on reflection in my later years, um, you know, it's um, it, it was all character building experience. But to be honest, I, I don't know what I expected to happen by moving moving away from from my support networks, which at that time was my uh, was my family and friends. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know whether or not that's just a just a bit of a bit of a building thing or a maturing thing or something. I, I I don't know. Well, look, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't beat yourself up for it. I think it's just human character, really, is to naturally want to move as far away from that thing that caused you pain or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's natural. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I, I think it's sign of maturity, I guess, is being able to, you know, um, start to think a bit more critically about these kind of things. But yeah, especially at, at, at our age, when that stuff went down, I certainly wouldn't, um, I wouldn't stress too much about the way you handled that because I didn't think it was uh, unwarranted, that's for sure. And it, and it, and it, oh, like you said, it, it, it's character building, like, you know, you moving to the country and, you know, um, looking at opportunities out there was, was my moving to London and, and looking for opportunities there. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's yep. all, it all, it all works out. Moving on to your family and, and funnily enough, uh, we had, um, uh, while living together, we had actually uh, spent uh, <laughs> spent spent a lot of nights together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we'd sort of we'd, we'd spent a lot of time talking, mm. um, more than likely in cars. Funnily enough, but um, our our upbringings and I remember because um, at, at the time there wasn't many people um, many people like this as well. But our our upbringing and like our 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 parents and like our our home life and our family life seemed very very similar Mm. um it was always um like i'd always call your mum and dad you know mr and mrs whoever and um you know i i had a little bit to do with your older brother who was a mechanical spray painter uh mechanic mechanic at the time yep so yeah um and i remember discussing that you know like um you'd uh, you'd come up to my mum and dad's a few times and um it was always you know mr and mrs and um you know like always super polite and super respectful and i don't know it was um i i don't think either one of us like um it, it wasn't that big an effort to be that person it was just who we who we who we got like how we got brought up mm. yeah that's right like i um I talk about this a lot these days with with my with my with my wife now, and um, we've we've both had super duper different upbringings, and um, uh, you know, in one way, I, I I'm grateful for the, uh, the the simplicity of our of my childhood. I'm sure you had the same kind of thing. Like your your mm. folks were stable. That I don't think you moved around. Your your family is your family home still. Your family home. Are your folks still there? Uh, the, yeah. So they actually moved closer to us, and the only reason why is uh funnily enough because they felt like sydney was encroaching on the blue mountains too much <laughs> yeah I, I get that but you know that that but, but <laughs> saying that that wasn't i'm sure that was only a few years ago they did that because i know for a fact that they'd been where they had been for a while and same with my folks my folks are still in the family home and um yep. i'm starting to realize as i get older how um how rare that is for yes. that kind of yeah. that kind of upbringing 
Um, so like my, my wife, she was, she wasn't, she was born in uh, Mexico city. She wasn't even born in Australia and she, you know, um, moved here when she was about six months old and her, her parents are from all over the, all over the world. And, um, you know, a bit of turbulence there, um, growing up, um, yep. and it starts to really put things into perspective when you realize how, I guess, how good it had, we had it growing up. And one thing that I, I, it, we, so my wife and I always talk about sort of our upbringing and, and memories and feelings about that particular upbringing. And one of the things that I, uh, an emotion that I feel very strongly about is nostalgia. And that's, mm. you know, that's becoming almost dangerous these days when you get some nostalgic uh, feelings coming up and it's like, you know, you kind of feel like, oh, well, those were the good old days. I'll never have that again. But then again, I, I feel the opposite, you know, many days and I feel like, you know, this is, this is the best I've ever been and I'm really happy with the way things are and that is definitely the way it is these days. But, um, like, my wife has completely different feelings about her upbringing and nostalgia is like a, almost a negative feeling. Sure. For me, nostalgia is just so powerful and, you know, I'll see or smell something or, or, or see like a, a toy in, oh, geez, like a, <laughs> an antique shop these days that I used to play, <laughs> that I used to play with. And, you know, that, that kind of really, um, yep. really hits me in the heart. So, yeah, absolutely. I was, I was having a very similar conversation to my dad actually. Mm. Um, and, and he said, um, you know, like I, I, um, and this was probably not long after I'd, um, like we'd, we'd had a kid. Mm. Um, and I sort of said, like, you know, I, I, I get it now. Like, and it wasn't until, like, um, it, it wasn't until I, I had a kid of my own did I completely and fully understand, you know, um, how hard it was and the decisions they made and, and why mm. they were strict and why they were the way they were and all that sort of stuff. And uh, again, like, you know, reminiscing about, you know, about a lot of nostalgic stuff about childhood and stuff like that. And, mm. Mm. Um, you know, I, I said to him that, you know, I, I sort of, I almost feel like like the the nostalgic's running out, and I, I don't know what to do. And he he very simply said to me that you know now's the time to start creating like your own memories, so that in ten or fifteen years time, when your kid or even you and your kid look back and and look at it, you know now is the time. Like then is the time to be nostalgic about like your actions and what you do and the memories you create right now. Yeah, wow, that's that's powerful stuff. That see, we're 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 not having children. That's not it's not our plan. Um, Sure. That's that's pretty public knowledge for a lot of people. I'm happy to say it here. We're we're definitely child free, um, but that's one of the things that always sort of rattled around in my head. If I was to have children, is how much how much could I influence my child to either have a, a good nostalgic memory of their childhood, and you mm. know, and and how easily could go the other way? And it, would there be one triggering moment? that could completely change the way mm. that your child looks back on these days. And that's honestly, uh, sorry to bring this up because I know you do have a child that terrifies me <laughs> to think about that. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it's a lot harder than just, you know, changing diapers and, 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 you know, <laughs> having sleepless nights and that's difficult enough in its own, I'm sure, but just the pressure of having that, um, responsibility, not just for a human life, but for the future of that human life and what they look back on. It's pretty powerful yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, I, um, I, I think I built it, built it up. And look, that's not to say that um, that parenthood isn't hard or isn't important or isn't hard work. But mm. I, I think with the um, with the foundation um, that I was given through, um, not even specific, 
you know, what my mum and dad taught me, just, just how, how they generally brought me up and, and the environment that I was in. Um, I, I think it laid pretty solid foundation to, 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 to set me up to be, you know, a, a well, hopefully a, just a good parent, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I guess, I guess all that anyone can ask for is, you know, you just, you, you try your hardest and do your best. And, you know, once all the, all the personality dust and the growing stops at what is it 30 (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, you know we'll see see what sort of kitty turns out to be i guess yeah yeah that's it i mean here's the other thing right like what we were saying earlier i i've only just started feeling like an adult now in my mid-30s so Mm. if even if you think you've got it wrong um and you see it all the time you know kids that were not particularly well connected to their parents back in the day um, have ended up having this full circle and coming back. And, you know, I see to my own family with my own brothers, you know, we're starting to really value the importance of family and, and um, now yeah. that they've got their own kids and, and things are starting to progress in that domain. Um, you know, yep. things are starting to calm down a bit and everyone's just starting to mature um, even well, you know, into our 30s and 40s. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, um, what's today? Monday. I actually caught up with my, my brother and this and my sister-in-law and God, almost it, it would have to be almost 12 months yesterday. Mm. And, um, and I saw my niece and, uh, my mum and dad were there and it, it was just on the off chance. Like it wasn't, wasn't organized or anything, but it, just in those, um, you know, a couple of hours that everyone was here, you know, there was, there was copious amounts of teas and coffee served and, yeah. you know, laughing and, um, yeah. you know, mum and dad playing with the grandkids and yeah. I don't know, it's, it's a, it's, it's definitely a beautiful thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I definitely, um, I definitely cherish it and, and I will cherish it because uh, I mean, you know, mortality's, uh, mortality is creeping up on all of us, man. Yep. Yeah, it is tapping you on the shoulder, <laughs> even, even at our age, I know, I know. And, and you start to really filter out a few things in life, don't you? When you get to this age. Yeah. You move back to, um, you Australia and, um, and, and you're still working for the same company. Well, and you're, and you're, and you're super happy or you, you didn't. Yeah. That's actually an interesting point. I, I came back, uh, when I left London, I actually left the company, um, to okay. just literally just a grass is greener kind of experiment just to see if there's anything else. So I came back, uh, moved to another company in the same kind of ecosystem. Um, sure. didn't really gel with that, um, that, that role. I did, I did pretty well there again. Uh, though that wasn't really the thing. It was, um, just not the kind of. Um, company that I was looking to work for and funnily enough I would go to some of these um, industry events like um, big conventions back when we could do conventions and Mm -hmm. I'd look across at my old company and they're all sort of you know they've got this big trade stand and they're all having fun and there's people around and they're throwing swag everywhere hats and stuff I'm like oh I kind of missed that (laughs) so I ended up having a chat to my old boss and um, and he said yeah look actually it's it's if you want to come back it's good time because we need someone to fill this account manager role for APAC and I'm like yep signed me up and um yeah we've now grown from just me to four of us and probably more coming soon for this company so yeah um i did come back try something else and then came back to the old company that i originally went overseas for so yeah so what does the i, I don't know if you've already gone into it what, what does your company actually do man yeah more than happy to plug um as, oh, as please do. do yeah plug away <laughs> so the company called uh, a practice ignition and it is a company that is primarily used by accountants and bookkeepers. Now, stay with me. Um, the software itself is uh, essentially it's client engagement or client onboarding software. So 
let's say you're an accountant or a bookkeeper or you offer some sort of professional services as your business, um, in most of those industries you need an engagement letter or a contract between you and your clients to actually officially start working for them as their accountant or bookkeeper or advisor, whatever you want to call it. Uh, our software basically automates that whole thing and takes the whole the whole process online so that you know you meet with a potential client at a coffee shop or at their office or your office um, you open our software you plug in the services that you want them to sign up for you send them an electronic engagement or proposal and then the client will read it sign it electronically uh, drop in the payment details so the payment built-in payment gateway and then essentially it just automates everything from the actual agreement itself through to uh, monthly payment collection, yearly payment collection, invoice deployment, all that kind of stuff. So it's basically a way to run your professional services uh, business uh, without really having to manually do anything when it comes to agreements and, and payment collection, uh, which has yeah, proved right. to be very popular in the last couple of years. So it's good. So do you guys actually develop the software or... Are you sort of managing it for them or? Well, we, we've developed the software. It's probably about seven or eight years old now. The early mm -hmm. stages was pretty basic. It was literally just a way to sign a contract electronically, which back then was pretty cutting edge. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the, it's an Australian company, Sydney-based company. All our developers are based in Sydney, which is cool. And um, yeah, we've basically developed the tool, which is then on-sold to the the customer the advisor the accountant and then they basically run their own um their own contracts through the engine uh, and we kind of stay sort of hands off in some respect but as an account manager it's my job to pretty much nurture these existing customers and make sure they're using the app as much as they can and and yeah sort yep. of help them scale their own business which is actually kind of cool it's more of a consultative kind of role than anything else i've ever done before so it's very different to what i used to do in any okay. other job, which was mainly just sales focused. So it's a big shift. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, and if anyone's, um, if anyone is interested for some more information, do you have a, uh, a website or are you guys on social media? Yeah, just um, head to practiceignition.com and we're on Twitter. Uh, handle is at ignition app. So feel free to get stuck in and let me know if you need anything. <laughs> Shameless awesome. plug. Very cool. <laughs> so that um, that brings us up to today, mm -hmm. and uh, circling back to cars, you mm -hmm. said you've uh, you've gotten back into a Renault Clio. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you said you're um, you said before that you're even more engaged in uh, in the whole car scene. Um, I'm assuming that you're going to track days and stuff like that again. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, it's taken a bit of a turn. I I did do track days back in the day in the S15, um, but. It's just, I don't know, because I was <laughs> so poor <laughs> and that, that, that car basically drained all my funds. I could probably <laughs> do one track day every two years. Um, so as fun as it was, and I know you were involved in a lot of those and they were fantastic days, really good memories. Um, I have started doing a few more track days in the Clio um, and now I can actually, you know, afford to replace the tires and <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know, have a tank of fuel to get home, uh, which is always nice. Um, so yeah, that car, um, oh, honestly, I, I love it. I found that car, well, when I had the original one before I moved overseas, it was just the regular Renault Sport Clio, um, but I always wanted the F1 edition, which is the bright yellow, um, yeah. you know, with, with gray wheels and a little bit lower, a little bit stiffer, a little bit everything else. Yep. 
um, with those cool Recaro bucket seats. So I finally got that. Had to drive to Melbourne to get it uh, about does, two, two does years Does it ago. have um, mm-hmm. grey checkers down the front? Down the side or something? Yeah, it's got like, not the checkered flag, but it's got like the F1. It's a So this this edition was released in, I think, 2006 to commemorate okay. um, Renault's F1 championship win that year. Uh, okay. Or in 2005, I think. Um, and they built it all the way through up to 2009, which is the one I've got a 2009 model. But yeah, it's got like yep. commemorative stickers. It's got like a big checkered flag on the roof and all that kind of fanfare. <laughs> so nice. It's a bit shabby, but um, I love it to bits. So yeah, it's a little bit special. So yeah, track days, track days these days. I'm, I'm, um, I'm finding myself heading back to Ludnam Raceway, which is a fairly new track. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, out near the out near Penrith, coming up towards yep. the mountains actually. Um, which I can't get enough of. I'm actually just about to book. When I get off this call with you, mate, I'm booking another one for November. So, um, nice. <laughs> so that's been a really good thing. Um, but in terms of getting back into cars, I've actually kind of been in the right place at the right time. Although it's kind of stopped at the moment due to COVID um, and some funding issues, which is fine by me. I've started doing a bit of journalism, automotive journalism. Oh, cool. Very, very amateur, but still somewhat official. Um, there's a blog, uh, men's lifestyle blog called Man of Many, and they um, have a pretty big social media following, which is the way it goes these days. It's no longer print media, as you know. It's all about followers, and mm, um, absolutely, they basically needed someone to do some car stuff. So, primarily a fortnightly news column, just outlining yep. what had happened in the last two weeks in the automotive world. You know, concept models, what's been released by this, and you know who's who's creating that and and you know what race was won by this person and um i started doing that uh, like i said it's kind of been put on the back burner for now while the um while the business you know um scales back a bit due to obvious reasons um as sure. with many yep. businesses but i've really enjoyed that i even managed to get myself uh, out to some launch days for certain cars um most memorable is the the new supra launch which was in phillip island last october um, Very nice. So I got flown down there and helicoptered down there and all this kind of cool stuff to to just <laughs> basically flog a super around Phillip Island Raceway and around the surrounding roads for about six hours, which was absolutely incredible. And then and then write a few words on it. It's 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 a dream. So hopefully I can get back into that. And um, again, that just feels like a a more mature, um, I guess. Um, evolution of what we used to do which was just dicking sure. around with cars in our garage so <laughs> so you you said before that your clear is a little bit shabby um i've i found personally that um that cars with a few um with a few faults um i'm, I'm usually a little bit more attached to um mm-hmm. whereas yeah things that are a little bit nearer or perfect i mean i've like these days, um, I'm running around like the in in our driveway currently. We've got a Captiva and a um, and a Festiva. Like neither one cars, neither cars sort of uh, you know really um, really do anything for the pants region. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm also I'm also not um, not terribly enthused to wash them or take care of them or anything like that. <laughs> so how does a very modern sports car like the Supra compare to an older style like? And and it's really funny saying an older style sports car, but it's essentially what it is now, like the the yeah. Silvia, the S fifteen. Yeah. How does it compare? 
Good point. Um, before I get to that, I just wanted to note that I, I feel like even with your cars, although they were somewhat shabby to begin with, because they were old Corollas and other things like that, <laughs> I love how you yes. would do everything in your power to make them as shabby as possible, like removing the sound deadening. And basically, <laughs> it's like, here, this car is somewhat comfortable. Let me see what I can do about that. <laughs> everything that makes it even somewhat comfortable and making it loud. And cr- and I loved it. And I love driving your cars too. So not a criticism. Just uh, something to note. <laughs> Actually, I have a really, really good memory before we move on to the to the Supra. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have I have one word for you. Uh, actually, two words for you, um, mm. and and it, and it should bring it, it brings back uh, a lot of good memories for me. But yep. uh, York Street, York Street, is that you used to you used to pick me up from work? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time I was working in Mascot, and we 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 at the time we were both still living together. Yes. So I would come via mascot via the like go home via the CBD. Yes. Pick you up. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was a no standing or a bus zone or something like that. That's right. Um, yeah, I'd sort of buzz over from the, uh, from the other side of the yeah, city, literally yeah. pick you up and just, yeah, roar off. It was, it was the yeah. best time. Yeah. Wide open throttle through York street, just the, <laughs> the clap of the foray in the middle of the city. <laughs> so good. Good times. Um, right. Supras, new Supras. Okay. So that's a good question. Um, so I have had a chair, you know, in, in this short lived, um, amateur automotive journalist, whatever you want to call it career. I have had a chance to um, drive some pretty special cars. Um, okay. and, and like you said, growing up driving clapped out Corollas and Clios and, um, and Sylvia's and everything else in between. Um, I find that it's harder to, to, to build character into modern cars. And I kind of, that's, that sounds like a given really. I mean, you, that's probably something you hear on all kinds of YouTube videos and, and automotive mm. journalists would say that, but what it does mean is that when a manufacturer can create something that actually does, uh, you know, evoke some sort of emotion, whether it be from the sheer power or the handling or just a little quirk about a car. Uh, it makes it, yeah, it makes it really special. Like the super I really enjoyed, um, mm-hmm. because I don't know, maybe, maybe again, bringing back nostalgia, the fact that, you know, the super back in the day was the car to have, um, mm, and I know there's the Holo, it's a BMW, yeah, look, you know, get over it. It's still a really good car. <laughs> um, but yeah, just driving that car around the track and the fact that it's 2000, you know, it's 2020 or 2019 when I drove that and we haven't been regulated to a point where we can't actually have these cars anymore, which, you know, if you go back to, you know, the, the 2010s or even the mid 2000s, we were already starting to talk about the fact that, well, we won't have cars like this much for much longer. They're going to regulate them. We won't be able to go fast. That's blah, blah, blah. right. But my word, That's right. how fast can we go today? Get into a, into a Supra or even, even something at half that cost, like a, like a Golf R or something. And you yep. can really get yourself into trouble. And they, and say what you will about DSG gearboxes and that kind of stuff. I'm just loving the fact that we have a lot of choice these days and you can find the right emotion in modern cars if you know how to drive them and where to look for them. So, you know, I mean, I've, the Supra was incredible. Um, what else have I, even, even things like the, I think it was, the, I did a Volvo launch in Adelaide um, around the same time. And I think it was the T50 Polestar edition or something. It was just, it was a front wheel drive sedan, but man, it was fun to drive. Just, it, it doesn't take much to make a car good. Like even something like the, you know, the 86 or the, 
the BRZ, there's just something, the fact that we can still get a rear-wheel drive, naturally aspirated car that likes to get a bit tail happy in, in 2020 <laughs> is super cool. And, you know, I've driven other cars, like I've driven a um, uh, Lamborghini Performante, um, and it's just, it's, I'm too terrified to even get the thing, the throttle even halfway open, and it just, it just didn't really do it for me, whereas, you know, just thrashing my Clio around a track, it's, it's, it's special, and um, I don't think we'll ever really get that again, but at the same time, you can find, you can find the similar emotion if you know where to look these days. Yeah, I, I suppose it depends on, um, and, and it differs from, differs from person to person, like every, everyone's different, but I, mm. I think it depends on what, what you're looking to get out of the experience. I mean, mm. if owning a car and, and thrashing a car, for, for, for the better use of the word, is is all about that <clears throat> that very analog feeling that unplugging from you know online and social media and you know mm. you know five speed and clutch and mm. analog dials and that very visceral sort of sound and smell and all that sort of stuff which i might add um s it seems like the whole s range has a very certain smell to them and they all smell the same <laughs> yep yep um it's 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 oil and old mcdonald's packets <laughs> I was going to say uh, soy sauce and, uh, and and Lucky 7 cigarettes from Japan. But, uh... <laughs> that's you, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> or whether or not it's just the whole driving experience, whether or not you just want to lose yourself in the ebbs and flow of the of the road and anything mm. like that. It's, mm, mm. you know, um, if, everyone's different. And I, I suppose... Um, I suppose that's the beauty of uh, being a um, being a car enthusiast. Like you know, you've still got people that still like building their V8s or their mm. old JDM cars or their old British cars, for that matter. And it's still still all carburetors and oil and you know deep yeah. smells of petrol and you know leather and chrome and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And it's you know everything squeaks and everything rattles and it's all very loud and mm. and it's it's the whole, that that's the experience. It's it's not the going fast. It's just the whole thing. And then on the other hand, it's um. You know, um, it's it's being comfortable. It's the climate control. It's the you know being able to sync your phone and you know mm. be in a very very cool car and and go fast and you know winding roads and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know. It's um, it's it's really cool that um, it's it's there is still one thing that brings um, brings car enthusiasts together, and and that's the the love of an for an inanimate object. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And- the amount of emotion that you can draw from that object is unbelievable, and a lot of mm. people won't. A lot of people won't get that. I guess I'll say one thing is, you know, even from the very beginnings of mass production of motor vehicles, you know, from your um, your Model T Ford up to your twenty twenty Supra, there's always there's always an element of of incredible engineering behind anything that's produced, and I think if you can connect yourself to that, whether it be yeah, like you said, um, a, a, a five speed manual gearbox and a, and a carburetor all the way through to the fact that you can jump in your new super and, and absolutely tear it up and also have climate control and cooled seats and, uh, and your phones playing your favorite podcast. I think that's, that's pretty <laughs> damn cool. And I don't think we should be complaining. No, absolutely not. Um, has the, um, has the thought of, um, cause you, you sort of played with the idea of, uh, or not the idea, but you played with bicycles for a while. Have you ever thought about getting into motorbikes? No, my mum won't let me. <laughs> and you laugh but that's honestly the reason probably one of the reasons why i haven't um my, my dad has a motorbike my dad has a 1970 honda cb175 or something like that um which what? he's had since new and it's 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 super cool but um 
and I always used to say to mum, oh, mum, can I get a motorbike? Dad's got one. She's like, no, just because your father's got one doesn't mean you can get one. <laughs> um, and it's so funny. And I've always thought, why don't I like motorbikes? And I ask myself this question every couple of years. Like, why don't I like motorbikes? Everything is there. I love, I love going fast. I love the thrill of it. Um, I love like, just I just love the feeling of, of like lateral grip <laughs> a bit more. Yeah. So yep. I think it's where the cars sort of pit me. But everything about a motorbike should tick all the boxes. But for some reason, and I can never quite put my finger on it, I just I can't get behind the idea of a motorbike. It's probably the, um, the 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 inevitable feeling of death that may come from it, or the fact that oh, I say yes. it's not a matter of. Uh, if it's a matter of when you come off your motorbike, when, I don't. Right, yeah. I do not want to come off a motorbike in, under any circumstances. So, for that reason, I've just avoided them. Yeah, well, that's that's yeah. You, you are very right, and I think the I think the R one, I think the current model R one has some ridiculous ridiculous statistic. Like, I, I think it's one in three owners dies. Yikes! Yeah, that's that's not a statistic to to mess around with. That's no. that's one in three owner of this particular vehicle dies is mm-hmm. dead. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's like some so... Isle of Man stuff. Yeah, I, I, don't like, <laughs> I don't like those odds. That's I'm going to stick to to underpowered French hatches. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, it was uh, it, it was a good long time until I told my mum and dad that I got my motorbike license. <laughs> well, look, <sighs> I, I would like to get my license one day um, just to take on the ownership of my dad's Honda. Um, but oh, I certainly, that'd be so good. I certainly wouldn't be getting my down, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, on a bike like that, it wouldn't. Like yeah, I suppose it's, it's the same as holding a, owning great. a shitbox Corolla. You know, you, yeah. it's, 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 it's a vintage bike. You know, mm. you take care of it. You mm. put around town, you go down for coffee, and that's about it. That's it, exactly. And I, yeah, you have an open-faced helmet, so you, you know not to be too silly. So, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Very, very cool. Um, so you're living up the coast now? No, I mean, um, I'm in Little Bay, just down south of Sydney, just near Maroubra. Um, yeah, right. Which is... A which bra is boy. No, <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's no, there's no surf at Little Bay. It's just, it's just, it's just for me and my snorkeling. So, <laughs> so yes, I have gone into snorkeling recently. So that's that's fine. Have you managed to um, have you managed to get a tan for your uh, fairly pasty uh, pasty skin? I think you know the answer to that. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was affectionately yeah. known as White Boy back in the day, wasn't I? I'll, 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 I'll uh, take that to the grave. I think so. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether or not they'll self inflicted as well. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Could have been. Could have been. Um, yeah. So look. Um, thank you so much for, um, for having a chat with me. Um, I've actually, I, I, I don't know what I hope to achieve out of, um, out of doing a podcast, but, um, I don't know. I'm enjoying the shit out of it, to be honest. Yeah. Well, like I, like I said, I listened to some of your other ones and I, and I thought they were really well done. So congratulations. I'm really enjoying, I've really enjoyed this one. I'm enjoying listening to your other ones and I reckon keep going because, um, thanks man. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, if anything, it's a good thing just to document some of your past experiences and, Look, the fact that we don't catch up that often, and I probably it's been probably a few years since I've actually seen you in person, um, mm. it kind of makes it a little bit better when we can actually reminisce and catch up and talk about things that we haven't for a while. I, I, I think so. And someone someone actually messaged me, and it wasn't one of my friends, but um, uh, someone messaged me about the podcast and, and they left a review and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and they said, look, you know, we... Um, we we're really enjoying the podcast wholly and solely because it's it's a sense of normality which um like I, I 
I think you would agree with mm. me saying here that um, like not not many parts of the world still has a sense of normality to them. It's That's true. It's 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 a you know it's a conversation. It's a very normal conversation. Like Corona hardly ever comes up, and you know people need that escapism and that normality to their lives at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned um, somewhat of a buzzword these days is business as usual, but it is important to have some element of business as usual during these. I'm going to say it unprecedented times <laughs> uncertain times i'm so sorry <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and on that bombshell <laughs> probably good to, good a good time to end it <laughs> Nah, look th- thank you very much for um for joining me and Pleasure. um yeah man hopefully um hopefully once um once everything starts settling down um i'll definitely come for a road trip i gotta um i gotta get down there anyway and, uh because i think um I think uh, one of our one of our mutual friends has an Aristo landing from Japan next month. I believe it's not far off. I think we need to organise some sort of um, catch up, if you will. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. You can bring the boss. Co- uh, oh no, the shrimp crackers. You bring the shrimp crackers, and the I'll bring the curry sweat. Yeah, you're on. <laughs> hey, I um, awesome. I, I was in the gym the other day, and this dude walked in with a curry sweat like singlet top on, and I just about lost what? my mind. Yeah, yeah, he made it himself. <laughs> What? <laughs> and I thought of you. How do you even do that? Uh, he's a screen printer, so he made it himself. What a legend. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> cool. Did you get a business card for me? I'll do that next time. <laughs> Thanks, dude. All right, man. Take care of yourself, and right. um, yeah, I will talk to you later. All right, dude. See ya. See ya, man. Bye. The opinions or views expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the host or guest and do not represent those of the people institutions or organizations that the host or guest may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.